Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. So we're going to close out this morning uh, the series on Who Am I? Part 3. How many have enjoyed the last couple of parts if you've been here? You're, you're starting to enjoy or get an insight and hopefully I'm, I'm sharing with you that God uses simple people like you and I for his purpose. Have you seen that throughout the Bible? Have you seen that in your life? God uses simple people like you and I. Amen? So that's a fact. And I want to further discuss that this morning about identity and how we can get confused with our identity and think that's who we are based on misperceptions. And then it's shaped that way and you grow up believing certain lies. For example, so I want to talk to you about that this morning. And one of the ways we do that is how we think shapes our identity we have of ourselves. How we think, not about what God may think or maybe others, but how we think in our mind shapes our identity that we have of ourselves. And I want to talk to you about that this morning, but won't you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father God, Lord, we love you and thank you this morning again for the opportunity to come and hear your word. Lord, I pray, starting with me, help us to open our heart today that we might receive from you, Lord, the nuggets of wisdom, nuggets of of purpose, direction that you have for each of us, Lord, today. Lord, your word is powerful, strong, and it never goes out void or never comes back void. What that means is it's alive and living And Lord, it grows in us. And Lord, it's helping us mature. It's helping us be that person that you want us to be every day of our lives as we pursue you, as we desire you. So I pray, Lord, this morning that you would bless the message, bring uh, favor to our hearing, our understanding this morning. And we pray that, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. amen, amen. Again, look at your neighbor and tell them, who am I? Who am I? And if you're, you just said that to your spouse, they have a pretty good idea who you, who you are, amen? Because you can't lie to your spouse. You may be able to get away with other people. You may be able to fool some people is what I'm saying, but you can't fool your spouse, right? And so that is a fact. And one of the other facts is you can't fool God on who you are, amen? amen. Popeye used to say, I am what I am, right? I can't even say it like Popeye used to say it. But God knows who you are, and he wants to remind you of that this morning. If you have your Bibles, and it's on your outline as well, but Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, and here's just a little nugget from from Pastor Rick to you. Read a book or a chapter of Proverbs a day. There's 30 chapters of Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. You can read one chapter a day, and the book of Proverbs is filled with nuggets of wisdom throughout every chapter. And if you do that, one little chapter takes you probably two minutes to read, maybe five at the most. But if you do that every day, you will receive wisdom for your life, I promise you. But Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, out of the New King James Version, says it this way, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Again, telling us that And this is the word of God declaring that as we think in our heart, as we think in our minds about who we are, that's who we become. And a lot of times, how many know that's not a good thing? 
That's not a good thing, depending on maybe how you were raised, maybe depending on circumstances that may have happened in your life. That may not be a a good thing. You see, people live out what they believe about themselves. If that that child always hears growing up, you're never going to amount to anything. You're worthless. And God forbid that was any of you here today. Guess what happens to that child? They grow up thinking they're worthless and they're never going to amount to anything. But conversely, if that child hears, you're amazing. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Guess what that attitude is going to bring up in that child as they grow up? So you have that power, that ability. But for many of us, how we see ourselves, how we see ourselves and what we believe about ourselves impacts every area of our life, how we see ourselves. And that could be because of what we heard growing up. That could be because of what people even say about us on the job. That could be because of a cutting comment our spouse may have said to us or someone close to us, and we've never forgotten that. You know, God forbid, there's so much power in this tongue, and we know it that it, that it cuts, it destroys It destroys people. It destroys relationships. And we need to be extra careful how we use this tongue. Amen? Heart beliefs and expectations impact the spiritual atmosphere of your life. In other words, how you perceive things, how you believe things, impact you spiritually, whether you recognize that or not. And that could be good or bad. For example, I am unwanted. Nobody cares about me. And this might be something that as a young person, as a teenager, or even as an adult, you may struggle with. I'm, I'm not wanted. And not, you don't have to raise your hands, but maybe some of you have felt that before. I'm not wanted. Nobody cares for me. Nobody cares about me. I'm, I'm on an island by myself. Maybe you've thought that before. And that will affect how your behavior goes forward. It affects every part of you, spiritually, physically, mentally. That, that person can ser- perceive people's actions as rejections against them. You know, it could be a very simple, you see that, they see you as, as, uh, as they're coming in, and, and all of a sudden someone grabs you, and they were going to go right up and talk to you, and all of a sudden they're thinking, oh, I guess they don't want to talk to me. You know, that kind of stuff happens in churches all the time, right? And it had, had nothing to do with that. It's how you perceive that. And... Here's the thing. It's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. Right? So we can reject ourselves over something that God's looking at it going, what's going on? These people are not getting it. Right? So what I'm trying to look at or what I'm trying to paint a picture of here is that we can fool ourselves. Our identity is based on what we think of ourselves. And and here's the other thing that happens. That person can experience over and over what they believe about themselves, no matter what happens. They will believe that over and over. I'm unwanted. Nobody cares for me. Even though they've been invited to a potluck, or maybe they've been invited to a gathering, uh, go see the Blue Angels with their friends, and they still feel unwanted and loved, unloved in the midst of 10,000 people. Have you ever been in a crowd and felt lonely? Have you, everybody has, I'm sure. You can go to a sporting event, not know anybody around you, and kind of feel alone sometimes, or, 
or a parade or anywhere there's a big crowd, you can feel by yourself and, and lonely. Uh, but God does not want to leave you like that. How many know that this morning? Let, let me share something. Uh, it's an example of kind of where I'm headed with this. But when we lived on Soskal Avenue in Napa, it was a very busy street. We were literally feet away from Soskal Avenue. And that traffic in front of the house we lived would sometimes, 55 miles an hour was commonplace. 55 miles an hour. So we had a dog. Uh, most of you have met our dog, Max, our boxer. And he was just a younger puppy at that time. And ever since he was born, we had a little fence about yay high, about two, high, two feet high. It's a wire fence that opens up, and we would put it as a barrier in the driveway. And here's this big 80-pound dog. He's about this high. He could fly over that if he wanted to. We would put that fence up, and he, because he was raised as a pup, that he couldn't get past that fence, he would never try to jump over it. He's never tried to jump over it, because in his mind, he can't. That's a border. It's a fence that all throughout his life, he knew he cannot jump over that fence. And, and now he's an 80-pound dog. He could clear that with three feet to spare if he wanted to. But he can't because he doesn't know how. He thinks he's incapable of doing that. And if we're not careful, that's us. We grow up thinking these things that are so opposite to what God wants you to realize and you're, you're shackled. You're, you're not living your purpose that God has called you to live because you see that insurmountable fence in your life. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Amen. So what I want to talk to you about this morning are a few points. And number one is how you identify or how people identify or define their identity. First, let me, let me define what identity means means the personal characteristics that define a person by which they're recognized and known, characteristics that make them unique. Every one of you are unique. Everybody say, I'm unique. I'm unique. And if you don't believe me, ask the person next to you. They'll tell you, yes, you are unique. There's nobody else quite like you. And that's what defines you. And that's not good, or that's not bad or good. That's just who you are. That defines you. God created you. You are his masterpiece. You are wonderful in his eyes. Amen? But here's, here's what, how people define other people. Oh, by their face, um, by their name, by who a person is linked to, connected to, um, by your family, by your ethnicity, uh, by the color of your skin, by your occupation, by what you do, by your gender. You know, it always cracks me up is, you know, you, you meet people, right, in business settings and business meetings and the very first thing they do, so, so what do you do? You know, right? Oh, well, I do this, I do that, right? And that's, that's commonplace. But that doesn't define you. That, that's not who you are. I may be a pastor here, but that doesn't define my role. I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a son, I'm a brother, uh, I'm much more than just a pastor, and that should be what defines me. Many of you here with your careers, your career doesn't define you, because at the end of the day, when you turn that key off here, mentally, with your job, you go home, that's who you are, amen? That's who you are. So again, people define themselves by what they do, by their by their, the color of their skin, by, 
by uh, what people have told them over the years, by your social status, by your position, by your monetary position, you know, the well-to-do, uh, and I won't even go there, <laughs> by your children, by your experiences, your failures of, of your past, by words of others, or even your behaviors. That's how you identify yourselves. And if we're not careful, here's what happens. We can develop what's called a victim mentality, right? All of us can relate to it. Maybe some of us have, have actually related to that and lived that out, but something unfortunate may have befallen you. Something may have occurred in your life that you begin to say, oh man, nothing good ever happens to me. I always, this always happens. I'll never be able to do this. And, and before you know it, that's called a victim mentality. And that's all you can think about yourself. I'll never do any good. I'll never become any good. I'll never do what so-and-so has done. And the problem with that is you're comparing yourself to other people. You're unique. You're not somebody else. Can I get an amen? amen? You are unique. God loves you the way you are right now, but he's not content to leave you that way. He wants to work with you. He wants to, he wants to help you fulfill your purpose in your life. The victim mentality is really that the past experiences of what happened to me, what occurred to me at some point, become or shape me into the person I am right now. Have you ever met a person that has a victim mentality? You know what I'm talking about. People that live in that victim mentality, I mean, talk about you just want to run away the other way. You know, that's negativity at the max. You just want to run away from that. I, I mean, part of pastoring is you got to hear people out. But when people come with a victim mentality, it's it, you're in the back of your mind, you're thinking, do you know what you're saying? Do you know what you're, what you're creating, what you're putting into motion by saying words about yourself like that? Do you know you're creating your own reality is what you're doing? And people don't know this or don't understand that. The mentality is, I'm unable to cope. I'm powerless. Things happen to me. And I don't know why. Don't ever, ever say that. Amen? Amen. Don't, don't allow yourself to fall into that trap. Here's the reality, and I quoted that scripture already. Philippians 4.13. The reality is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Say that with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you say that, it defeats the victim mentality instantly. Because it reminds you, God's spoken word reminds you that you are more than a conqueror. That you are a child of the king. That you can do all things through him, through his strength. Amen? Yeah. Don't let the past define who you are today. And for many of us, that's what we're doing today. We're allowing the past to define the person we are today and going forward. If you lived a horrible past, if you didn't have the best upbringing... Don't let that define your present and your future. Amen? Do not. You can break those chains now. You can break that, that slavery. Really, it's a bondage is what it is if you allow your past to define your present. Don't let the words of others define who you are. And young people this morning, I'm talking to all those under the age of 60. Young people, just because someone said a cutting remark to you don't let that define you. Because people are mean. How many know people are mean? Oh, yeah. 
If, you go, if you're still going to school, young people, people are mean, right? They say dumb things. Don't let those things define you. You are more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? And here's the bottom line. You are who God says you are. You are who God says you are. Not what some other ninth grader tells you. Not what some other co-worker said about you. Not what some relative said about you. You are who God says you are. Amen? Amen. That's what you got to trust in and rest in today. Point number two is God defines who we are according to his purpose. According to his purpose. And, and there's nothing worse than people trying to fit in and, and do something that they were never called to do. That they were never called to do. And that's why the Lord, he has a specific plan for every one of us, right? God speaks to every one of us. And I think, I'm pretty sure that everyone here as an adult, maybe young people are still on that, on that path to figuring this out. But God has spoken to you as adults and told you what your purpose in life is. And, and that's fine if you haven't yet discovered what that is. But ultimately, he is the one that tells you what your best purpose in life is for. Amen. God sees you according to the purpose he made you for. Did you know that? That's how he sees you. When you walk into that door for the very first time with no knowledge of his word, with no knowledge of what church is all about, he doesn't see the person that I just stated. He sees the person that's going to be a worship leader. He sees a future pastor there. He sees a future teacher, an evangelist. He sees a nursery worker. That's what he sees. He doesn't see a person that doesn't know anything about anything. Last week when I spoke about Moses, remember how God spoke to Moses and said, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses said, but I'm a man of slow speech. In other words, he was a stutterer. Moses stuttered, and here he was going to the most powerful person on the planet at that time, Pharaoh, and asking for, for his people to be released. Moses is going like, you're going to use me? See, God didn't look at him at that moment as, as, as the person that was going to lead Egypt in his stuttering and his, in his lack of confidence. He looked at him in the person God called him to be. That's how he looked at him. And far too many times... We look at ourselves as by how we have, have looked at our identity, how others have told us who we are, and we fail to fulfill that purpose that God has because we believe others rather than what God says about us. Amen? God calls you according to your potential, what you could be. See, everybody, everybody say the word potential. Potential. Uh, we have a little... Little funny thing in our house, in our home, Raquel. Every time she sees a house, she goes, "Oh, Dad, look!" And, and if, especially if it's for sale, she goes, "Grandpa Mendez would say that house has potential," because my dad always says that. Well, that house has potential, right? It's just something that she's heard a lot, and so every time we'd see a house, she go, "That house has potential." Well, yeah, they all have potential, right? So do you. Every one of you here today have potential. And it's about you tapping in to God's presence, his strength to fulfill that purpose in your life. Amen. God calls you according to your potential, what you could be, what you could be. Amen. God calls things that do not yet appear as though they already exist. 
That is a scripture found in Romans chapter 8. But really, when he calls you, if you ever feel a call to do or, or do something in ministry, God's planted that in your heart already. He's already seeing the finished product. Do you know that? He's seeing you already working in that area. And if you feel that tug, that little bit, well, I think I could do that. That's probably because God's planting a seed in you to follow that in your life. Amen? God calls things that do not yet appear as though they already exist. Whatever God says, He has already declared in the spirit realm. Whatever He declares, it's been declared in the spiritual realm. In other words, you can't fight against it. You can't take it back. How many know that the, the Bible says that the gifts of God are irrevocable? That means if he's blessed you and given you a gift to be a teacher, to be a speaker, to be a giver, to be a hospitality person, one that just that takes care of others, those gifts, no matter if you get tired of them, God doesn't take them back. Once he gives those to you, they're irrevocable. He doesn't take them back. We have that old term, uh, Indian giver. I remember that term, right? I know that's not politically correct, right? But God's not an Indian giver. God ignores the natural and declares supernatural favor over people. How could, how could God heal people? Well, easy, because he, he provides supernatural favor over you, over simple people that are just obeying in simple obedience. Amen? God provides, or he ignores the natural world, and he provides and declares supernatural favor over his people. And then finally, to walk with God, we must agree with what he says about us. We must agree with what he says about you and I. And, and let's take a look at that. Point number three, security and identity release you to serve. And here... It's talking about Jesus, and uh, in, in John chapter 13, who has their Bible right now? Irene, you have your Bible? Can you, can you find John chapter 13? And starting in verse 11 through 15, uh, John chapter 13, verses 11 through 15. If you could read those, that would be great. Okay. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Amen. Now... I'm, I'm picking at Jesus right here about his identity. See, Jesus was totally secure in who he was. And I know you're going to say, well, that was Jesus. Well, he's our example. He came to be our example, amen? And, and he was an example because he was not in need of a position to, to serve. He didn't say, well, I want to be a, a Pharisee, uh, like these great Pharisees of his time. He, he didn't say that. Uh, he just wanted to serve because he was secure in who he was. See, here's the thing. Here's the secret to life. When you're free from shame and secure in your identity, you can serve freely. You can worship freely. You can become the person that God has called you freely, without shame, without insecurity. And that's probably the number one issue 
in people's lives today. We are so insecure. We are so shallow sometimes because of what, because we've allowed other people to affect us and how we think. How many know that's true? How many know that's true? And, and Jesus came to set us free from all that. He said, no, here you go. If you draw close to me and, 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 uh, and believe who you are, who God created you to be, you can be free and set free from all shame and be secure in your identity. See, insecure people feel threatened by others, right? Did Jesus ever feel threatened by others? Of course not. He was secure in who he was, but insecure people feel threatened by other people. They find identity typically in who they are or in their position. Yes, I'm an attorney. I'm an attorney at law. I've been an attorney for 35 years. Yada, 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 yada. Who cares, right? People find their position or their status. And they think, okay, yeah, I own my own company. Yes, I'm a CEO and COO and all those other things, right? Who cares? That doesn't define you. It really doesn't. I've met so many people like that throughout my life. It's just, it makes me laugh now when I hear that. And we all meet people like that every day of our lives. They're caught up in their identity of their position, of, of what life is telling them who they are, right? Or they're constantly, insecure people are constantly comparing with others and they're quick to be envious or they're quick to criticize. Insecure people, in other words, people that do not know their true identity with Christ are quick, quick to criticize, quick to be envious, God has already created each of you with a specific plan in mind. It's not anybody else's but yours. It's not even your spouse's. It's yours. God has given each of you a specific identity. Can I get an amen? Amen. And here's what I want to, in point number four, help you to understand how to establish your identity in Christ by practicing these following points here. And there's a a few points I want to go over with you. Number one, we have to resolve the past. We can't live in the past. How many know that? If you have things in the past that are still bothering you today, you can't go forward. You can't, there's a wall right here that prevents you from moving forward in your life. You have to resolve the past. You have to say, Lord, forgive me of that. Or maybe even, Lord, forgive so-and-so of that. Or maybe you going up to somebody and say, I need you to forgive me. It's not saying, um, I'm sorry, but it's, I need you to forgive me for this. Number two, it's reading what God says. Reading his word, reading his word. And then third, doing what God says. Do what the word says, amen? Four, meditate on his word. There's no better times I know when I'm by myself somewhere, whether it's Lake Tahoe Uh, with my wife, or whether it's up in the mountains, hiking somewhere, there's no better time for me to meditate on His Word than there, in the midst of His creation. Just meditate on His Word. Meditate on that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of God. I'm His beloved. I'm His masterpiece. I mean, the Bible's filled with so many promises, which I'm going to read to you here at the end, because that's who you are. We believe it, we embrace it. We believe his word, embrace it. Maybe that's you that has struggled with your identity in the past. Maybe you never thought you were capable of doing these things. 
When you hear these words I'm about to say to you at the end as we conclude, I want you to embrace those words. I want you to recognize that that's who you are because God has called that out into the spiritual realm. He's declared every one of you are his child. Every one of you, every one of you. It's not for a specific few. It's not for a specific group. It's for every one of you. Amen? We need to speak it out. Declare the word of God. Declare it in, in our homes. I am a child of the king. I am blessed and highly favored. Um, there's so many things in the word of God that lift us up. Um, he has created me in his image. In the image of God, we are created. And on and on and on. Speak it out. Speak it out. That's why we have these scriptures in our home. And for those of you that will be there at 1 o'clock, you'll see scriptures written on chalkboards, little chalkboards that Anna's put. And that's so that when we read them, we're reminded of the promises of God. We, I go around the house saying them because I see them. And she'll change them up. And she'll write new scriptures on there. And we read them. They're in our bedrooms, in our bathrooms even sometimes. Uh, but mostly in our kitchen, dining room area is where you'll see them. And then finally, number seven, live out with your actions. Live it out. Change behavior to agree with what you're believing. Live it out. That is so important. Live out what you're believing with your actions. Now begin to claim it. Now live it. Live it. Don't just, don't just say, yeah, I believe it. Well, now begin to live it. Begin to show those actions going forward. This is who you are. This is what I'm trying to tell you this morning. I'm trying to show you that your identity in Christ is not who other people tell you who you are. It's not who you even necessarily think you are. It's who God says who you are. Amen? Here, here's what I want to do in closing. Because I was going to keep this short this morning. Because I want to feed you spiritually. And I want to feed you physically at our house. I'm going to give you time to get your stuff ready as well. But I want to close with this. Of who I am in Christ. It's so important. It's on your outline. It's on your back page. I'm not going to read the reference, the scripture. I'm going to read what it says there about that scripture. Number one. I want you to say them out loud with me, okay? Will you do that? I am a child of God. And, and I want you to internalize that. As you hear that, as you read that, recognize that is who God is saying you are. Number two, I am a new creation. Number three, I am the dwelling of God. Number four, I am an heir of God. Number five, I am a saint. Whoa, time out. Some people are going, I'm a saint? Oh, you don't know my spouse. You don't know what she did, what he did. No, God calls you a saint. Did you know that? He calls you a saint. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you're a saint. I didn't hear you. Say that again. There you go. That's better. You know why? You may not believe that, but Almighty God does. Almighty God called you a saint. And, and, and here's, the, here's the thing. You may see things that you would beg to differ on, that that person is a saint. You may say, well, no, you don't know what he said, what she said, what they did. It doesn't matter. God called you a saint right now. He didn't say, someday off in the future, you will be a saint. When you get to heaven, you'll be a saint, which we will be. He said, right now, you are a saint. 
in my imperfectness right now, imperfection, excuse me, I am called a saint. That's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we think, well, saints got to be perfect. No, it never says that. Never said that. God calls you a saint just like he calls you a child of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. We are a priest of God. We are kings. Kings and priests is what the Bible calls us. And queens. For some of you. Okay. We are a citizen of heaven. We are an ambassador. We are a conqueror. We are his workmanship, his creation. He's created us. We are his masterpiece. Amen. And then finally, we are beloved of God. God loves us. God loves us so much that he sent his only son on the cross to pay the price for you, for each of us here today. That's how much he loves you. And, and I want to close with this, with First Thessalonians. It's not on your outline. But chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 say this. It says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amen? How many know that's, that's truth right there? In all things, give thanks. In the good times, in the bad times, when it rains, when it's dry, you give thanks to God. Amen? Because it, it doesn't change who you are. I want you to read, if you've, if you've struggled with who you are, your identity in Christ, I want you to take that back page of your outline and I want you to read those scriptures every day. I want you to begin to declare them and begin to believe that that's who you are. That's not, that's not lying. It's not declaring a falsehood. It's who God says you are. If you are a believer in Christ today, that's who you are. doesn't matter what anybody says. Amen? Amen. Amen.